1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. You don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now, his mission... Get down. ...is to protect it. Come with me if you want to live. His loyalty is to a child. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now. And his enemy. He's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. Is the deadliest machine ever built. Can it be destroyed? Unknown. This time, there are two. Terminator 2. You just can't go around killing people. Why? If you thought you had seen it all... Stay down! Go! Now! We gotta stick together! Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This time, he's back. For good. Trust me. Welcome to a special episode of Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And on today's special episode, we're finally, obviously, if you haven't been able to tell by the intro, covering Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, I know we've been promising it for a couple weeks now. It took us a little bit, but you know, that was due to scheduling issues, but we finally are sitting down and, and talking about this fantastic uh, movie. And, of course, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Pat, in New York. How's it going, Pat? Going quite well. Glad to finally be able to get this recorded. I know we've been stalling for quite a while. I, yeah. Uh, how many times have we been trying to sit down and record this? Probably like four or five times now. Uh, this is probably at least four. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least uh, I managed to take some time out of my uh, busy schedule of coming home and just wanting to go straight to bed uh, to record with you tonight. So, um, all right. So if you're not familiar with Terminator 2, one, there's something wrong with you. But uh, we're going to talk about the premise of the movie uh, right now. And then uh, we're going to move into kind of a, a detailed breakdown or at least a deep dive into what we think about the movie or thoughts on the effects and and kind of where it fits in kind of the the um, pantheon of of sci-fi and and whatnot um so the basic premise of it is a cyborg identical to the one who failed to kill sarah connor must now protect her teenage son john connor from a more advanced and powerful cyborg i also want to apologize in advance if you hear a doggy uh, or a doggo really crying in the background. She will not leave me alone. Uh, she wants to be out playing and it's just not time for that. So, oh, Maddie, chill. You're making it into the podcast. Um, so apologies again if you kind of hear her yipping in the background. She just wants to be out. Um, 
The movie picks up about 10 years after the original Terminator. Uh, John Connor is about uh, 12. Um, Sarah is now in a uh, mental institute uh, not too far from where John is currently located in L.A. Um, And uh, being held for, of course, what everyone thinks to be her delusion about killer robots from the future coming to target her unborn child. Um, and then as the movie really kind of opens, uh, we really actually, th- this is one of my favorite sequences in, uh, in cinema. Uh, and this is also a testament to practical effects. It opens up with the future battle sequence with Sarah Connor's narration about John and kind of about a little bit about the previous events from the first film. And, uh, we get to see kind of the big actual walking Terminators, multiple Terminators walking around shooting the plasma rifles and, um, you know, human soldiers uh, fighting. And then we get to see John Connor for the first time as an adult, uh, kind of overviewing the battle. And then it does the opening title sequence and we get introduced to, the T-1000, which is a very high upgraded model of the Terminator. Uh, and then we also get introduced to the normal T-800 Terminator played by Arnold. Um, and they begin this journey. Now, this might be spoiler territory, but since this movie's been out for a very long time now, we're not, and we're doing more of a deep dive into it. Uh, we're going to go into spoiler territory. Uh, but we don't know from the beginning that what the mission of either Terminator necessarily is. We know it's to kill John Connor, but we don't know what role Robert Patrick's T-1000 is playing in this movie and what Arnold's uh, role is. Of course, from the trailers, you you get the idea, but um, both of them are trying to track down John. Uh, We see John uh, living at with his foster parents and, um, and not really wanting to listen to them more of a rebel kind of, uh, character, uh, played by, of course, Edward, uh, Furlong and they go, uh, him and his buddy go on to the mall. We also learn that kind of John has been adapt to like hacking stuff that he's picked up from his mom and from, um, kind of their various journeys before she gets, uh, committed. And this kind of plays over into the greater mythology about the fact of, uh, Arnold's Terminator being reprogrammed by John Connor in the future to send back to protect him in the past. And all of this is to prevent, of course, Judgment Day, uh, which is the horrific event that leads once Skynet becomes self-aware, um, lo- you know, and launches nuclear uh, missiles to, to Russia. And then of course, Russia retaliates and, and, uh, decimates most of the human population to allow the machines to kind of rule. And, um, it's really then, and of course in the mall that, uh, when John kind of is running away from what he thinks is an actual cop, but it's, it's the T 1000. Um, John runs into the Arnold's terminator And, uh, of course he pulls out the shotgun from the flower box and we're thinking he's ready to kill John. And instead he tells John to get down and shoots at Robert Patrick. And this really sets into motion the rest of the movie where we have John, uh, and the Terminator on the run. Uh, they go to rescue Sarah from the, uh, the 
asylum for lack of a better term. Um, and then, uh, they start their mission to really try to, uh, prevent judgment day from happening. They get involved with miles Dyson, who is kind of from the events of the first movie because of the Terminator that attacked Sarah and Kyle Reese in the past, it's remnants were left behind and, uh, Cyberdyne was able to kind of procure the damaged chip and the arm of the previous Terminator and they are then reverse engineering the technology to basically set in motion the events of the future. Um, so that really is something that kind of plays into the grand, uh, grander scale of the franchise as it, as it runs on. Um, but this movie is definitely, of course, you get the, you know, the famous line, there is no fate but what we make for ourselves. Um and that's kind of the whole purpose of this film is to defy uh, the fate, to defy, defy the future. And um, I think this was really, really an impressive movie. And, and we finally get, of course, a final showdown um, at the uh, at the steel mill. And um, I think that this it was a it was almost in fact, I will venture to say it's pretty much a perfect film. Now there are, um, two other versions. So there's three versions of this film altogether. Uh, and I would say that probably the, uh, actual straight director's cut is the best, uh, version of the movie. Uh, I think it's better than the theatrical release. And then there's pretty much like another cut of it, which has, uh, what they shot is the original ending, which we'll discuss a little bit further on in the podcast, um, that puts more of a fine cap on the events of the Terminator franchise. Like it, it basically puts a fine point end to uh, the story that Cameron started with Terminator and moving on to Terminator 2. But I'm going to go ahead and turn it on over to Pat and see uh, you know what you got to add. So for Terminator 2, I'm going to just go out and say that it is probably hands down the best one of the entire series. Um, with that, it also had the highest budget for a movie of all time when it was released. So, I mean, it, it goes to show that they were able to put the time and money into this film that it, it needed. And a lot of that goes with the, the CGI that they used. Um, it was pretty groundbreaking stuff for the time. And I think that just shy of maybe two scenes, like they still hold up very well today. Um, a lot of what I really appreciate about appreciate about this movie is just its ability to um, take the first Terminator and kind of twist it to show that they are going to continually mess with the timeline. Uh, based off of what they continue to do in each oncoming film. Um, and for Terminator 2, it works probably the best because it doesn't try to overcomplicate things. You got John sending him back, reprogram, reprogramming him and sending him back, and then you got the T-1000 trying to kill John. And that's basically the entire part of the movie. Like, it... it, it keeps it very simple it doesn't do anything that the future films end up doing yeah it doesn't try to overcomplicate uh the narrative 
Um, so I think as far as that goes, it, it definitely keeps you, um, it keeps you on track throughout the entire film. Like there's, it, you really come to see that they were trying to keep it as linear as possible. Absolutely. And I, that's like, um, I think, and they, and they wanted to keep it very, I think in my opinion, they wanted to keep it very tied to the first film. Uh, and like, I liked what you said there about them kind of taking the first movie and twisting it a little bit. Uh, I, I think what they, what they may have changed or what they, um, allowed it to grow into, um, I think when you go back to Terminator, uh, the first one, it's a very simple film. Like it's just, he's a killing machine. He's coming for her and they got to stop it. When you get to Terminator two, it, it, it becomes more of a philosophical film. It, it's exploring, uh, grander themes. And, uh, like I was saying, um, that there are particular scenes that, uh, are in the director's cut that I wish were in the theatrical. And I, I get it that it was probably the studio telling Cameron, he needs to cut down on his time a little bit. And, uh, Cameron has of course done this with other films where he's had other, I, I avatar has three cuts and, um, the difference, uh, some differences that are in the director's cut versus the theatrical is, um, while Sarah is in the, uh, in the mental hospital, um, she has a dream and they bring Kyle Reese into it and he's wearing the exact same outfit from when he died in the first Terminator. And she's at this point where she's just ready to give up that, uh, maybe this is all in her head, uh, that, um, you know, maybe she needs to take the pills and everything. And, uh, and he shows up in this dream to, have her remember. And it's a nice touching moment. And it at least allows them to bring Kyle Reese back into play in a, in a, in a understandable and a reasonable way that doesn't like, like the other movies do to overcomplicate it. Uh, like, like uh, Terminator Genesis does to make Kyle more of a bigger role in the film. And uh, so he's, you know, repeating the lines to her, like get up on your feet soldier, which was what she said to him when, uh, he was mortally wounded and the factory at the end of the first film. And, uh, this leads her then to kind of run out and chase after him and has kind of the first dream about the nuclear Holocaust of, of judgment day. And then, um, later on, uh, and I believe this is also in the director's cut. If it's not in just the director's cut, it's also in, it's in the, the third cut of the film where, uh, Arnold is explaining that he's a learning computer and uh, that he has kind of protocols in place that don't allow him to necessarily learn. It prevents him from learning anything like a human would learn. And he ends up walking uh, John and Sarah as they're hiding away in the gas station. Um, the step-by-step -step procedure for them to kind of remove his chip and to enable him to basically actively learn. And, uh, it's a, it's a really cool also Testament to the advancement in the practical effects that we saw from the first movie. Like we talked about in our first, um, uh, review of the first film, uh, the kind of fake head Arnold part where he's cutting out his eye and everything, uh, looks really kind of cheesy nowadays, but 
with the money that they had in this budget and with what they chose to CGI versus what they chose to practical effect, the practical effects in this look really great. So when you're seeing kind of the scalp open up and you're seeing the the metal die cast of the Terminator endoskeleton, uh, it looks real and it looks like it's actually under Arnold's uh, skin. And then you also get a really good moment where uh, Sarah is so um, set in her rage against the machines, not to quote the band or anything like that, but um, she is ready to just take a hammer and smash his chip because she doesn't trust him. And John stops her. And then we get kind of finally from allowing his programming to learn we see a machine learning to become human. And then it kind of goes into this grander theme of what does it mean to be human? Can a machine be human? And I think that's, that's where this film elevates itself from the first one. Uh, while not complicating the story, but taking the story and exploring different themes. And I don't know if these were things that you might've caught on, but these are definitely things that I've noticed when watching the film. Oh, definitely. So as far as like hangups with the film, do you, do you personally have any? Um, I, you know, I don't really think I do. Cause like I, like I said in our, our first, uh, review of the, of the first film, my first exposure to the Terminator franchise was this movie. And I always remember loving, uh, that opening scene, seeing the Terminators walking around, seeing the HK, uh, Hunter killers, seeing the, uh, the airships, uh, and always kind of wanting to see more of that future because I always thought it would be really, really cool to see. Uh, and we kind of get one with Terminator salvation later on, uh, in the franchise. But, uh, I, I, th- I never, felt any hangups about the movie. I never felt like, um, anything felt misplaced, especially with not even understanding the history of the first film at the time that I saw it. Uh, because I feel like they do a good enough job that if you never, um, never saw Terminator or never even knew Terminator existed, you could see Terminator two and get enough of an idea of what that backstory was from Sarah's narration at the beginning of the movie to go, oh, okay, this is what's happened previously. Now, the only thing that you might not understand is how does Cyberdyne have the arm and the broken chip from the first Terminator? You might not know that from uh, from not having seen the first one. But this movie does good enough to stand on its own. I think Robert Patrick... Compared to Arnold Schwarzenegger, like when you see them body type wise, you look at Robert Patrick and you're like, well, how is this guy going to be terrifying or um, uh, able to, you know, kind of hold his own? And by introducing the liquid Terminator, liquid metal aspect to where he can then morph his shape or, you know, change it into anything that he can. He is literally like just a walking death trap and it adds that element of um suspense to it i mean you get the whole sequence with um the cop or the uh, security guard getting his cup of coffee and you see like from when he steps on to the uh the the tile and then is moving towards it and then you just see it kind of morph in from the tile into the metal and into uh an identical copy of the security guard it was leaps and heads, uh, abounds of anything we we saw as kids, 
uh, in cinema. And I don't feel from a story aspect, from a directional aspect, uh, from score, nothing of this really ever gave me any hangups. I, I don't, I, I can watch it to this day. I could probably watch it, uh, back to back a thousand times and not find anything that really bugs me about the movie. What about you? So for me, I, I got two things. Okay. And one, one is just like kind of a ridiculous, whatever. It doesn't matter for anything in the story. And the second one affects the storyline, but they eventually cover it later on in the books. Okay. So the first one is for the T-1000. When, when they time, when, when the Terminator is time travel, they, they come back without clothes. Mm-hmm. But for the T-1000, if they're able to morph the clothes, why was that necessary at all? <laughs> so why was it necessary? Um, because uh, it still had to have organics. Um, so anything inorganic, although it can morph the clothes, the clothes that yeah. itself is an in- inorganic material. So it's mimicking in- inorganic material. So that's not able to make it through the time displacement. So that's my thinking, because even if it went, it could have technically gone as its liquid form, but then it would be liquid metal at that point. So yeah, I, I just assume that the entire part of him is just the liquid metal still. It is, but the the whole fact of it, of its the the fact of it that it can mimic, it doesn't need that um, flesh outer layer that like the T eight hundred needs because it by what it can morph into what its ability is, is basically it presents it as organic material. Uh, but then when it's shifting, that's when it's really more metal. So that's, that's my take on it. I I agree. It doesn't overly (laughs) impact the story. Um, but I, that's my, that's my take on why it came back as, you know, in its birthday suit. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) To me, it's all metal. So therefore, well, and you're it, it and you're also <laughs> you're also forgetting that it can't mimic anything it hasn't already come into contact with. So it so actually maybe, ha- has to come into physical contact. So if it was sent basically right off the assembly line, it would not know what how to mimic clothing. Good point. Fair point. Uh, and then and then for the second part. So they're they're going through this trying to destroy the arm and the chip. Yeah. And then you get the final showdown in the you get the final showdown in the steel mill and the T eight hundred loses his arm. Yes. And so they never they never covered it in the film where they go back and destroy that arm, but eventually they go back in the books and they explain that it was destroyed beyond repair and that they still destroyed it. You know, that, Uh, that did occur to me when I watched it, I was thinking about that. I was like, Oh, well, wait a minute. His arm is detached. But if you're looking really closely and the gear that it's caught, it it gets destroyed. I mean, it is, it is in pieces that I there. And also if you really think about it, the most important thing to to the whole uh, formation of Skynet is really more the chip. Of course. You know, so it wasn't like they could do much more reverse engineering from the arm, but for, you know, basically covering all your bases, uh, they were, you know, destroying the arm as well just to be safe. But, uh, yeah, that's that's my take on it. 
Yeah, and I, I think that those are the only two things in the film that kind of give me a hang-up, but not really. <laughs> well, and you also think about, uh, you know, and I've talked about this on Crystal's podcast, and I think I've talked about it on this podcast, is, you know, you always have an after after a movie. Like, you don't know from the end of the film, what do those characters go on and do? You kind of get that, like, you know, when you get to the end of First Terminator, well, what's Sarah going to do? And, of course, when we get the sequel, we kind of find figure out what she did during that time between the first film and this one. So there's no, uh, you know, saying that they, uh, you know, didn't notice, of course, obviously he was missing an arm that they didn't go and look for the arm and then throw that in after the fact. Yeah, of course. And uh, you got to give them the benefit of the, of the doubt on that. Um, but I'm sure that there was a lot of, people back in back then being like oh why didn't they destroy it you know (laughs) i i think that that actually is is maybe a little bit inaccurate i think more people today would catch it and then you know complain about it on twitter or on facebook probably not wrong (laughs) uh because when you when you think about it uh when you think about the evolution of just home uh entertainment in general and, and just the evolution of the internet um, it wasn't like you were just going straight on. I mean, the fact that it took you like four minutes to just sign into AOL after getting the, the crazy noises and everything to then have to find a message board to then, you know, go, Oh man, can you believe this? Now it's more prevalent and it's easier. It's clicks of buttons on your phone. Um, I, I, I think it would be more of an issue today if the movie came out today. Um, Definitely not wrong about that. um, Now, a lot of the things uh, like I think what also elevates this one over the first one is the scale of the action sequences. I I think that they are uh, very perfectly executed. Uh, You just go to kind of the um, the motorcycle chase uh, after they're getting out of the mall and having the, the semi truck. Uh, chase them down the, uh, I know that's, it's not, that's not the LA river, but that's kind of what, uh, it, it looks like in, in my opinion. Um, and just kind of having Arnold, you know, shooting from the bike while also steering the bike and, and doing what, you know, the T2 is, is doing or T1000 rather is doing. And, uh, you know, then you go from that and you get like a nice little lull period, uh, well, you get you get the uh, stuff in the asylum. Uh, I also like that they brought Dr. Silberman back um, because, you know, his whole point in the first film was he was going to make a career for himself because of Kyle's, uh, you know, fantasies about this dystopian future. And we see he did that with Sarah. You know, he's basically going around showing his colleagues like, oh, yes, this is the truly crazy one. This is the one that, you know, is going to make me famous and has kind of made him famous in that community. Um, But then, of course, you get her breakout uh, scene, which is very greatly choreographed uh, and her reaction to when she sees Arnold's Terminator coming like around the corner and that instant fear that hits Linda Hamilton. Uh, I mean, this is, I feel also that Linda Hamilton, uh, is a much better actress in this one than she was in the first one. And that wasn't saying she did a bad job, but when you see the transformation of her character, and this is one thing that I, I think that 
um, we get wrong nowadays when we're trying to force certain characters uh, to be accepted amongst amongst uh, film goers. They did a great evolution from the frightened, meek waitress Sarah Connor from Terminator and turned her into this complete badass from Terminator 2 in Terminator 2 because it was a natural progression for her character. It made sense that after Kyle dying and her fear for her son's life and this future that is coming, that she would seek out people to help train her, that she would learn how to survive, that, yeah, she'd be a shitty mom to John by by only caring about whether or not he was going to live or die, not necessarily nurturing him as a normal mom would, but then that she would be prepared for anything that was going to come across her way. And just because the T-1000 was liquid metal wasn't going to make her just shy away in fear like she would have in the 80s. And so also when you get that scene of her instant shock and terror of seeing Arnold's uh, Terminator and then kind of her slow reluctance into accepting him as an actual protector for John. And I even like that when she goes a little bit further and she goes, you know, he, he would actually be a good father figure for John because he was never going to leave. He was never going to hit him. He was only going to be there to protect him and be there for him. And it's these things. And then, of course, the steel mill. It's these things that really elevate this film and make it, in my opinion, a, a masterpiece. Uh, I, I will say probably it is James Cameron's definitive best work in cinema. Um, I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but... I, at this point, I'm just about rambling on about how much I love the movie. As far as I, I would have to reevaluate it to see if I actually think that it is his best movie. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to say that definitively. Okay, but it it is definitely top three. Yeah. What what? My guess is your top one is Titanic. No, definitely not. That's probably the bottom one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like uh, when you compare it to something like Avatar, like Avatar is a great movie, but Avatar is very much an amalgamation of films that have already been made. It's it's got some dancing with wolves. It's got a little bit of like Lion King. Uh, you know, it's 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 mixing a lot of things that we've already seen on the screen, albeit in, of course, a different visual manner, whereas Terminator 2 Story-wise and and everything else, it was pioneering a whole new level. And, and as for James Cameron movies that I've seen, uh, it's definitely better than Piranha Two. Although I love Piranha Two, um, it, this I, I don't see any of his other movies really kind of uh, blowing this one out of the water. He also did a really good job on Aliens. Oh yeah, you know I'm missing that one. Okay, yeah. Oh, those uh, they have to be tied. They have to. But see, again, again, this both goes, sequels and well, yeah. not, not that they are both sequels, but at least with uh, Terminator, Terminator is kind of his baby. It is his story. It is his idea. Whereas Aliens was an original piece that was originally directed by Ridley Scott, or at least Alien was directed by Ridley Scott, and. Cameron brings up aliens and although he improves on alien, he adds a lot of what is currently like his other elements into this movie, to, into that movie to make it more of a James Cameron movie. Whereas term, the Terminator, at least T one and T two 
are definitely James Cameron movies from the get-go. So that's yeah. that's kind of where I'll say that Terminator 2 gets a little bit of edge on Aliens. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so anything else that uh, you kind of want to want to bring up? Uh, any other thoughts that you have right now? I think that we can go ahead and both score this a five out of five and call it a day. Uh, I, I would agree. Um, <laughs> is there, I mean, if you were to try to convince somebody to, to watch this movie, what, what argument would you make for it? Someone who's not necessarily maybe into sci-fi or someone who's maybe not necessarily into action films or who's curious, at least curious about it. What argument would you make? Uh, well, it, that also depends on if they're a Schwarzenegger fan, because it'd be hard to convince someone if, to watch it if they're, they're not a Schwarzenegger fan. Um, uh, first of all, I would say that it's also one of Schwarzenegger's best work. I, I, I would mean, agree. Def, def, and, and definitely his best as a Terminator. I think it's his best uh, performance. And you know how much I love Predator. I yeah, think Predator it's his, is fantastic. I think it's his best performance ever in film um so i'd probably start by saying that it's definitely one of his best works um i'd say that robert patrick as the t-1000s uh probably also one of his best roles too Mm -hmm. um and then you see him again in in uh i believe it's wayne wayne's world too oh yeah 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 um also as the terminator classic but but uh i'd just say that as once again as far as time traveling robots go i mean it's just another great film that you can appreciate for what it is and and just being able to watch it today and see that the special effects still hold up well it, it makes it a very enjoyable experience all right. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I think that's a good argument to make. And I, to kind of piggyback off that, I would also say, like, it's not just a sci fi film. It's not just an action film. It's not all about explosions. It's not a Transformers movie. It's um, it, it is. It could an, be. It could. Well, I would argue <laughs> that the later ones became more action based and more about the effects uh, uh, the CGI versus what coming up with a good story, uh, you know, and like, I think we talked about this on, on the previous Terminator episode. Um, the, the fact that he didn't immediately cash grab for a sequel to Terminator, that he took time and he felt that this was the, the right story. He developed a story. He developed something that he backed himself uh, to, to, you know, make like he, he, it was him making it and it was his company producing it. Uh, and it had his creative, uh, fingerprint on it. Whereas when you get to Terminator three, uh, salvation and Genesis and kind of a little bit with dark fate, um, you know, the fact that it, that some of those didn't even have his support, uh, for being made, uh, kind of speaks to why, these first two movies work really well. And the argument, of course, I would make is that these are, uh, that at least for Terminator two, it, it is more of a philosophical film. It, it, it is exploring those, those themes of what it means to be a person. Are we doomed for self-destruction? And like 
that that's something that uh, is very prevalent or at least evident in the scene with the when they're at um, kind of a rest stop and the two boys are shooting their toy guns off and Sarah's contemplating that. Is that our fate? Is that our destiny to just destroy each other? You know, and and seeing this machine that she originally sees as an enemy because of her previous experience and coming over that kind of prejudice um, to accept him and seeing Arnold's Terminator really grow as a character. You would think like with a robot like this, it's just a death machine. It, it can't grow. It can't learn. And we, you know, he starts out kind of deadpan, no emotion, uh, much like how he was in the first Terminator. But as soon as he's, you know, a learning computer and having John teach him these things, um, we see him start growing and having emotion. And sh- like when he's telling John to run, you can hear the urgency in his voice. And so I would say you just don't want to just, you know, misclassify it or just say it as it's just a dumb sci-fi film. I think it's it is really a piece of art and it, it is commentary uh, and it um, really gives you things to think about when you leave the movie. And as for um, I, w- I do want to get this in there now, what that final cut of the film is, is it actually has a future sequence ending uh, epilogue to the movie with an old Sarah Connor still recording kind of her, her diaries. And we see that the world that they prevented judgment day, um, that, you know, John is actually, instead of being, uh, a military commander is now part of, of the Senate, uh, of Congress. And that, you know, he fights to help, uh, help, people and he has daughter he has a daughter now and so if you're kind if the other movies kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth and you don't like them or you never want to visit them if you watch this version of terminator 2 you get that kind of uh final ending that caps both of those movies off together so i i I highly recommend it as you said we've already capped this at a five out of five uh, I don't have anything else to add, but I've really enjoyed talking about it and diving into it. And I look forward for us moving on into the other movies um, as we go along. We could always stop there. We could, <laughs> or our audience could stop listening there if they wanted to. But if they want to continue on uh, and um, punish themselves as much as I like to punish myself, I own all these movies, except for Dark Fate because it's not out on home release yet. Um that uh, you can continue listening on. We should hopefully get these out on a more regular basis on top of our other ones. Um, now this is going to release here on Friday, the 13th. We will be also recording our next episode. Uh, we're going to have, we wanted to have uh, uh, this director on, but scheduling conflicts, but we will be, um, we sent him questions and he's going to be sending us his answers back. We're going to be covering his new, um, short film actually it's a combination of his two previous short films but it's going to be collected as one piece so we're going to be talking about that and of course we have a new episode of the mandalorian to be covering uh so look forward to that on monday the 16th coming up and then after that we will have our christmas episode so if uh you want to kind of submit in your some of your favorite christmas films or christmas horror films 
you can send us an email at criticsnotcynics at gmail.com or um, DM us on Twitter and we'll com- kind of compile that together. And if you're not already uh, following us, uh, you can f- follow us at Twitter uh, at criticsntcynics. Um, you can follow the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. And if you'd be so kind, just to leave us a rating and a review, uh, it really helps us out. And we will uh, see you guys soon.